On this episode of the Saltwater Stories, I sit down with Brisa Hennessy. Brisa is a professional surfer on the WSL World Tour with many surfing accomplishments, most notably representing Costa Rica in the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan, the first Olympics to recognize surfing as a sport. Years ago, while I was working in Fiji, Brisa and I met in the water at Nomotu Left, one of the surf breaks off of Nomotu Island. At the time, during the COVID-19 pandemic, Brisa was stuck with her parents helping manage, of all places, this incredibly tiny island of Nomotu, an island surrounded by world-class waves that a surfer could only dream of. In the time I got to know her while I was in Fiji, I came to learn that Brisa is truly one of the most humble and kind surfers I know, with a brilliantly unique saltwater story. Growing up in the jungles of Costa Rica, she disconnected by reconnecting with nature all around her during her formative years. She eventually moved to the North Shore of Oahu for her school years, spending summers in Fiji, and finally finding herself in Fiji during the pandemic with her family. During our chat, we talked about her experience with performance pressure, nerves, and expectations as a professional surfer, and the challenge of turning off the switch from work to play in the water. We talk about some of her hardest competitions to date and one of her greatest moments of fear in the water. Touching at length on the power of the mind and breath, we dig into the importance of the mental side of competitive surfing. This is a good one for sure. I hope you tune in and enjoy. Today we have Brisa Hennessy on the Saltwater Stories. Uh, Brisa is a two-time ISA gold medalist, uh, 2019 Pan American Games gold medalist. She represented Costa Rica in 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan, finishing fifth overall, and she's first place in the Hurley Pro Sunset Beach. Welcome, Brisa. <laughs> Thank you. Geez, <laughs> what an introduction. I was not expecting that, but uh, I'm really honored to be on the show. And um, yeah, Saltwater Stories is such a beautiful name. And I feel like it's it's awesome that we connected in the water. So <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, a little background under that is that we actually met in Fiji. Um, you probably don't know this, and I think it's actually a really funny story, but I was working on boats and I hadn't surfed in like a month. And I'm sure you know it's your medicine. Uh, it was my medicine, and I was just dying to finally have been in Fiji and finally surf. And I took a tender out to Nomotu Left, and I'm paddling out, and there's only two women in the water, and it's you and your mom. And I remember paddling and thinking, oh my God, that's the most beautiful surfing I've ever seen in my life up to that point. And I was like, I might be out of like fish out of water here. Like, I don't know if I can, this is going to be, there's a lot to, you know. Um, kind of come in on and someone's like she's you know that's Brisa Hennessy she's gonna be surfing in the Olympics and I was like oh that is amazing kind of makes me feel better because I was about to say if that's just like average surfers in Fiji I might be a little like um fish out of water um but then I met you and you're just the most humble kind person and it was just wonderful to be able to get to see you in one of your homes which was Fiji um and to get to see you surfing with your family and then meet of course your parents as well so it was really beautiful to be able to see you in that setting Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was. Um, I actually remember that day too. I think it was. It was a pretty fun day at Nemotu Lefts. I feel like, but yeah. um, I I feel like we instantly connected, and yeah, you just had such a radiant smile and a beautiful soul, and <laughs> um, I love how yeah you meet the most incredible people like in the middle of Fiji somehow. You are just. <laughs> everyone is drawn there. Some pretty special people are drawn there, and I made some amazing connections. I bet. I, I feel that deeply. 
Um, <laughs> but going back to your roots, I'm so interested in it because you have such a unique story. Um, and from what I can gather, so you basically, you're from Costa Rica. You grew up there for the first eight or so years of your life. Um, your school years were in the North Shore in Oahu. Um, and then you spent summers in your teenage years in Fiji. And then, of course, um, definitely during the pandemic when I met you. Uh, can you speak to that unique um, foundational kind of upbringing, um, nomadic upbringing? Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a pretty long, complicated, crazy one. But yeah, on my my parents' first date, my dad was like, my dream's to move to Costa Rica. And my mom's like, Costa Rica? Like, I've never even like heard of that country before. And I think a couple months in from just dating, they um, drove from California all the way to Costa Rica and they landed in this little spot called the Osa Peninsula. Um, it's one of the last lowland rainforests left in the world. Um, and perfect right point break. Mm -hmm. Everything was so untouched, completely off the grid. And they decided to kind of spend, you know, the rest of not the rest of their lives, but they kind of spent, I think, 14 years. And then I was born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I pretty much owe everything to Costa Rica on how I see the world. My upbringing was away from technology, um, very grounded in the ocean and being in nature and every day was an adventure. And um, obviously surfing was a big part of it. Um, my parents ran a surf school down there. And so surfing was um, a part of the routine every single day. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I lived uh, just kind of more of my uh, youth down there. And then my grandparents kind of got a little sick in Hawaii. So we decided to um, move back to Hawaii and um, kind of have a better education as well. And that's kind of where um, I decided that I wanted to compete from my uncle, Greg. He he used to compete in a bunch of local contests and um, he kind of was the first one to inspire me to kind of get hooked. And um, it was it was definitely interesting being like a, a girl from the jungle trying to compete in this different atmosphere with um you know girls that have been doing competing since you know they were like probably seven years old um so I felt a little bit um a little bit uh off the off the rails not off the rails but um <laughs> I I felt a little behind and so um, but yeah, I just kind of put in the work and I felt like I had that like inner competitive nature already since, um, I feel like just being survival in the jungle. I was like, okay, I'm just going to like tune into that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I spent most of my years competing in Hawaii and then, um, my dad had a couple opportunities to work in Fiji and, um, kind of our time was up in Hawaii, I felt like, and another adventure was, I feel like, in the horizon, especially for my dad, because he's always like, what's next? Like, what's like the next adventure? And so we we made the big leap, leap to Fiji, and then now I'm just living out of a suitcase, um, traveling <laughs> on the tour. But yeah, that was a mouthful, but uh, yes, it's been a crazy life. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's wildly exciting. Um, but it's funny when you think about living out a suitcase and being almost nomadic by nature. Um, how would you define home or what is home to you, especially having maybe almost a home in different places? Um, 
Yeah. How would you define that? No. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. I, I feel like when people ask me where I'm from, I'm like, do you have a minute? <laughs> yeah. I'll explain. But uh, for me, it's, it's definitely the people in my life, the connections. Um, that's what makes me grounded. Um, and I think, yeah, my sense of home is the people around me. I feel like I've made you know, connections all over the world. And um, when I finally reunite with those people, um, I definitely feel in in a place of serenity and at peace and, and happiness. Um, so I don't know. I think it's definitely the people for sure. Very nice. Um, and speaking of that, I think it's really neat. Obviously, you said your parents were surf instructors, but having met them too, um, I know you're very close to them. It was very, very beautiful to see that and to see that kind of playfulness that you guys would have in the water. Um, I mean, first of all, your parents, they rip. They're like such good surfers. Obviously, you're an amazing surfer, but it was so neat to see such, such a like rippable family. <laughs> you guys are just like out there. Um just charging. Um, like your mom had that beautiful, big, uh, yellow board. And I swear your dad can do some crazy stuff on a foamy for sure. Um, <laughs> that's really impressive. Um, but how has that experience of bonding with your parents through surfing? Um, what has that done for the relationship from like a parent to child? Um, since you've, it seems like had it most of your life with, with your parents at least. Yeah, it's everything. Uh, my parents are my best friends. Um, I think their dream from the beginning um, when I was just in my mom's belly was like, I hope that we can all like surf together as a family. And um, they never really thought like I was going to compete or anything, but like just to be in the ocean together and share the same passion was like, yeah, their biggest kind of goal. And um, of course my dad's like, you could be anything you want. So is my mom, but for yeah. us to to have that instant bond and connection together when we're, when we're in the ocean is like the greatest blessing on earth. Um, I feel like they're my biggest teachers and then the ocean is like my biggest teacher too. Yeah. Um, so the two of them together, it's like a, a match made of match made in heaven. And uh, yeah, I, I feel so lucky that they have given me that gift and um, we can share those experiences together. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. Um, I'm sure when they listen, they'll be like, thank you. That was beautiful too. Um, now switching into competition, you mentioned, um, that especially growing up in kind of this very, um, disconnected from like, you know, electronics or especially at that time, you know, media or anything like that, you know, really connected to the nature, but didn't really have that upbringing of like youth in competition um, that maybe some of your fellow competitors had. Um, and you said you kind of had to catch up. Um, yeah. How was that experience? Um, especially since, I mean, you've really come very, so very far, you, you've made it into the Olympics, but um, what was that? I mean, especially I think as an athlete, I used to compete myself in running, for almost a decade. Um, there's such a men mental side of competition. Um, so yeah, what, what was kind of that journey like in regards to, um, the competitive side, cause you can be an amazing surfer and talented yet it comes down to a lot that has the mental side of things. Um, so if you can speak to that, I'd be so interested to hear. Yeah, no, um, it like the whole mental side is, 
is honestly everything. I feel like your talent can be there, but if your mind is not in the right place, um, you will not succeed. And it's, <laughs> I've had to relearn and relearn again and again, you know, that I can train as hard as I want to. But um, if I'm not training my mind and staying present and, you know, meditating and, and doing the things that get me in the zone, um, yeah, I won't, I won't succeed. Um, but yeah, I think going back to my childhood, I think I definitely found it hard um, to be in a place of like not comparing myself to others, mm. um, especially, you know, kind of being a little bit behind. Um, I needed to really um, trust my journey. And like, um, I think at a young age, like I, I still don't think I was like... <laughs> I don't think I was in that complete headspace to be like, Hey, I need to trust my journey. But I think, um, coming from the jungle, I was, um, I think a little bit more, I didn't have like the, I don't know, just, I wasn't in that space of like caring really what other people thought yet. Like I was very, like, I knew who Brisa was and I was in a really good space. And because of that, I kind of, yeah, I just was trying to send it and um, learn as much as I could and um, soak up all the information um, around me and and kind of go at the beat of my own drum. Um, and I felt like I lost that towards like my later teen years. Um, but uh, yeah, in the beginning, I I was really trusting my own little path and, and my own journey um, of uh, self-discovery and finding what makes me tick as a competitor which which is kind of already in me like I can't explain like why I ended up being so competitive because I was like the most like calm like gentle quiet like reserved um little girl but like it just always brought me back to being in the jungle and like I don't know just going after it like I'd run on rocks and I'd like I was always naked and like just I would play with animals and catch snakes like it was I think it was more of that mentality that I brought into into surfing mm. like so especially at the beginning when it didn't feel as much of a mental game it was more like naturally coming to you if I'm hearing that correctly yeah I feel like yeah. I wasn't really trying like I yeah. reflect on that a bunch now because I I feel like I still needed to tune into little Brisa a lot more. Mm. Like she was strong and she knew who she was and she she didn't have all those thoughts. Like yeah. um we have all these thoughts that come into our our mind um as a human but also as a you know as an athlete. You know, are we good enough? Like are we enough? Um and we need to quiet quiet the mind and I think my mind was pretty quiet back then and um I think that's why I um, kind of picked it up pretty fast. Yeah, it's really interesting. At least as a runner, we notice this a lot. We'd always say it's it's the freshmen or like the newbies that would actually do really well most of the time um, mm. because there was nothing. They had no expectation. It was kind of coming in with this like fresh eye and this just like love of it for the sake of it and that lack of expectation that just kind of like well I don't know what I'm doing I'm just gonna go for it um right. that brought this kind of naivety that allowed like great beautiful things to happen um and maybe things that weren't 
wouldn't have been dreamed of. Um, but then once it does come in, it's really interesting that expectation of like, oh, I've set the bar here. It starts to create this kind of, um, or it can create um, these expectations that can be really, uh, that can create a lot of pressure. Um, and that pressure can become therefore this mind game that we as athletes have to kind of go through a journey, um, of quieting the mind and coming back to those places of almost naivety, but with more conscious effort, I think. So true. So, so true. And how did you quiet the mind as a runner then? Jeez. I wish I could say that I like absolutely have a quiet mind, but I would have reached enlightenment. So I wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't be here. Um, no, I think the thing that I have to realize is I always ask myself, like, what's the main reason I'm here for and the intentions Mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully it is because you love what you do, um, or you love whatever the sport is, but just kind of almost being able to just witness the mind talking instead of just trying to like resist and force it to like quiet, just like allow it to be and kind of almost set it down. Uh, I find that just kind of is like a meditative exercise in itself. Um, but almost like laughing at it, like taking that seat of witness, basically the person that's witnessing the thoughts happen and just be like, all right, you're, you're getting nervous. Like this is kind of cute and just let it happen and like maybe set it down a little bit and just maybe it comes back up and he's like, Oh yeah, that's the pattern you're having today. Um, just kind of having more awareness, I guess, to it and less resistance of like, not necessarily like forcing having a quiet mind, but just knowing that it's okay. And it's, I'm allowed to have the thoughts, but they don't have to define me and they don't have to consume me as well. It's very profound. I feel like that's, <laughs> I went to an Eckhart Tolle retreat. Um, oh, very nice. Oh, and, um, yeah, he discussed exactly that. So it's like mm. so wonderful hearing it from other people to know that, um, all over the world, people are becoming more aware and like, it is crazy when like, you are not your thoughts. Like once you separate that, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of things going on in our mind and it's, just like you mentioned, it's like, not like about quieting the mind, but not like becoming those thoughts, like letting it flow through you, um, and kind of writing out that emotion, but exactly not letting it distract you or define you, you know, aware of everything, but distracted by nothing. That's my (laughs) go-to. Yes. And it's so hard. I like wish it, My mind so always, hard. Yes. It's so loud. <laughs> but, but yes, that's the goal. Um, and Eckhart Tolle is definitely uh, a wonderful writer in regard on, on this topic. And um, yeah, I'm a yoga instructor as well. So I find that that's where kind of the teachings can be really powerful in regards to just everybody, regardless of if you're a professional athlete or not. I think um, it's very often or not that we can so easily, um, get consumed by our thoughts. So, yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that that must've been very powerful. Um, kind of on this topic a little bit, but, um, something I kind of heard recently was that some of our greatest teachable moments are when things don't go as expected. Uh, can you speak to some time within your surfing career where you had expectations, they didn't happen and you walked away learning something, or maybe you didn't learn something, but Mm. Yeah. Um, actually going back to Fiji, Mm. uh, I felt like that, that time there, I felt like I grew a lot. Um, and I think I found myself, whatever that may be. And, um, I think I was 
felt in like a really confident place, you know, going into the next season. Um, I just felt like a lot more at ease and I felt like I worked on my surfing. I worked on myself like, um, but within that, I was slowly building up expectations that um, I was not aware of. Um, so going into that season, I just expected, you know, like to win heats, you know, like to win contests, like to do really well. And I had the worst season of my entire life. I fell off tour and mm. it was the craziest, craziest experience ever. It, like I it was like the hardest, one of the hardest years of my life, but like, it was strange going from such a high of like thinking that I really put in the work, um, and being kind of in that toxic headspace of subconsciously, um, thinking like, you know, I, I like deserve this. Like I, I expected this to happen. And because of those expectations, I built up this reality that was kind of a, a dream and I wasn't in the moment. And, um, I think I learned so much because of that. I think it was so, so hard, um, at that time, but coming out of that year, I just realized that, that it's important to set goals. I think it's important to, you know, visualize where you want to be, but thinking about the future too much or thinking about the past will not serve you because it's taking you away from where you are right now and what you need to do. Um, and fully like embracing that, that moment and experience that moment. Um, and I wasn't doing that. I, um, so yeah, I think that was, I think that was a really, really big lesson on expectation. Um, and from that, that year, I, I still, think about it every time I compete now I'm like okay like I know I know not to put too much expectation because um all I can control is being in the moment right now Hmm. that's a beautiful and very big lesson to have to learn and therefore the bigger the lesson it's usually the bigger the downfall prior (laughs) so um I can imagine that was probably a very tough experience um anytime expectations like that don't necessarily get met that it's tough, but it's beautiful. I think that's a neat aspect that a lot of like the darker moments in our lives, like, you know, if you look back on them, they're usually these kind of paths that can direct, if you allow it to direct you into something quite beautiful, if you can find those, um, lessons to learn from them as cheesy as it is, but, um, I feel like, um, the challenges in your life are your greatest spiritual teacher. And honestly, like, I feel like sometimes when I'm going through a big challenge or like going through hard emotions, it's like, you almost feel like the most present possible. Like, have you heard that? Like, I mean, have you felt that like when you're going through sadness or madness or anything, like you are so present and it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's an overwhelming situation, but like you're present and you get to learn, learn something that's, that's bigger than you. I feel like yeah it's almost like the for me my memory is quite sharp when there's like been hardships or struggles or deep moments of sadness I like remember so much because I'm so present whereas when things are kind of bopping along these are great I'm just kind of like (laughs) I kind of it's easy for me to not be as present um and it's almost like my memory's not as as sharp which I find is an interesting um 
thought about it, but yeah. Um, now curious, um, from a pers- just a personal standpoint, um, for you, but what has been your hardest competition to date? If that might be too hard, <laughs> hard question to ask, but, um, <laughs> um, like as far as just for me personally, or like coming up against people like is in that way, or I guess it kind of can go hand in hand, I suppose. Uh, I mean, surfing is so unique because the playing field, even the same break can change. Um, so that's a huge factor, um, as well as just who's, who's you're competing up against. So I guess, yeah, I guess if something stands out to you, whether it's the people, the place, or just the pressure, the energy of the competition itself, but there has there been something that kind of stands out as one of the more challenging from maybe a surfing level and then maybe challenging from the mental level? Yeah, uh, I would definitely have to say um, Tahiti, Tehopu, um, it was yeah. the last event of the season. I keep saying last year, but it's this year. This year <laughs> was the longest year ever. Yeah. But also fast too. But uh, yeah, so it was it was in August and I was trying to fight for the top five and I was going into the contest um, number five. <laughs> yeah. So it was just very stressful in general. And um, I've never surfed that way before. And um, if you don't know Chopu, it's one of the scariest waves in the world. It goes below sea level and it's massive. It's scary. The reef is like super sharp and super shallow. And yeah, the girls, it was the first time the girls were going to surf there. Um, mm. And the first time they're going to surf there in I think 20 years or so. So we were returning and um, I just felt like the whole event just constant butterflies like I've I've never felt like every emotion possible like um I was super excited but also insanely um scared and and nervous like everything and um there was no waves um until the start of the event so we didn't even get to practice oh gosh it was it was it was so crazy we were like straight into it um and then yeah the contest started and it wasn't really big when the women surfed, but it was definitely super hollow and it was barreling and it was uh, an experience we've never really felt before. And like within that, I'm trying to like uh, qualify for the top five. So it was just like so many emotions, like I mentioned, and um, really just had to dig deep and find um my connection with the wave and with myself and with my surfing and it was definitely one of the hardest events like and so chopes like you pretty much like set camp out there on a boat and you can't really go in like it's just out in the middle of the ocean so you're just out in the water all day Mm. like either on a jet ski or on a boat in the sun and you're just like just waiting for your next heat so it's 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 a lot it's um it was definitely very mentally draining. Wow. And I mean, I, I see cloud break as being such a, you know, powerful, hard wave from the standpoint of just kind of similar in a way, but do you feel like that having the experience of cloud break helped you in regards to Chopin? Yeah. I, I feel like I was like, 
trying to tune back, tune back into like what I was experiencing in 2020. And I was like, okay, like that's, this is my moment. Like (laughs) all the training that I've done back then, like this is, this is why I, I, I did that. And so I did feel a little bit more comfortable because of that, but to be honest, um, Chopes was like completely different than Cloud Break. Okay. Like it was a, it was just the takeoff was a lot gnarlier. And yeah. um, I saw yeah. that wave of yours. It was amazing though. Oh, yeah. 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 It's so much to work on. Like I, I can't wait to go back there, but I was like, geez, like I need to put in some time, like, and I'm excited to, but it was, um, it was definitely felt like I was out of my comfort zone. Mm. That's beautiful. I think what's hard, especially through competition, of course, because it's like livelihood, of course, for you. And, um, but like that beautiful space, at least for me, because I love, I'm this person that loves growth, but like to have gone in and had the strength and the courage to, to do this wave that was actually quite scary, um, to do it. And yeah, maybe you have some space to learn, but having this like almost like, I think it's a beautiful opportunity then to kind of dive into something like that and to kind of tap into um, growth there, which is kind of neat, at least from my perspective. But Sure. No, it was it was one of the coolest events ever. Like it was one of the hardest events, like I mentioned, but um, it was an event where we talk about having no expectations like that's where I like had to completely surrender like Mm. I was like I can't control anything here I just I put in the work I gotta put my helmet on I gotta believe and I just gotta send it and and know that I need to trust um and I think it was one of the one of the the only really events where I fully surrendered um I felt like I I did everything I could and because of letting go I I was able to really embrace the moment and um learn a lot but also just like like soaking it all in like and at the end of the day like I didn't really care about my result it was it was almost as if like every wave was like happening more in slow motion. And I, I wasn't really thinking about, you know, the future. It was, yeah, it was a really cool experience to be in. Mm, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I can imagine, but I'm excited to see you go back now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited and scared. <laughs> I know, honestly, I'm like, I'm glad it's you and not me. Definitely would never be able to do something like that. I don't think I'll ever experience that wave. And that- You are <laughs> going to get barreled, my friend. You are going to get <laughs> Like you probably have gotten barreled, but I mean, like, I only call are. it a half barrel, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> half One day, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> one day, I think you're right, but um, tofu no, um, and that's okay. I'm okay. I'll leave that one to you. Um, and that's something that kind of comes to mind for me that I think about because this has been something I've felt as an athlete with, um with running because of the key of com- competition. But uh, is there ever is there even a switch where you're able to just go out and surf, surf for yourself, surf kind of free surfing and just for the sake of it, enjoy it? Um, or is it kind of hard to find that switch where you're able to just turn off that training mode or that um, training mode where you're, you know, maybe thinking about the moves that you're doing on a wave? Can you speak to that and that experience of the challenge of balancing kind of your own free surfing and the competition training side of it? Yeah, I love that question. Um it's honestly been really hard for me. Um, 
I think especially the last two years, because how can something that, um, you know, brings you so much peace, brings you so much clarity and happiness be also the, the most stressful thing in your life. Um, and that's been really hard for me to grasp. Like, um, there's definitely days where I, I don't want to surf and that's like really strange for me. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like hopping on different like boards, um, like hopping on my twin fin, hopping on my long board. And I just feel complete freedom. There's no one telling me what to do. I don't have to draw a certain line. I could just flow and um, really connect with the ocean again. And I got to do that um, this last uh, last month when I was back in Fiji. Mm. because it was my off season and I like I hardly like rode my shortboard because I was just so um committed to finding my deep love for surfing again and um I got to do that and it was it was really magical I mean I love shortboarding still like it is it gives me the biggest rush and it's um it's everything to me but there's something about longboarding and twin finning and single finning that's like will always be dear to my heart Mm. yeah it's like finding that ability to bring playfulness back into it Mm. um and I think boards is such a good way of doing it you're so right because there's such a plethora of feelings I always equate surfing for me as this like feeling and what's neat about like different boards is you get different feelings, different sensations, and it can be almost this like fun new endeavor to just be like, I don't know, I'm on this, this wave, exact same wave feels different in completely different way based off of the board and um, kind of coming back to maybe just playing into fe- feeling again and the sensations of different, like, because it's stepping away from the competitive board um, can almost bring in a new feeling, um, maybe even playfulness and in, in kind of that curiosity about kind of different boards or different feelings and sensations, I guess. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, now, I'm curious because the Olympics is a big deal, especially this past um, Olympics. Uh, it was 2020 technically, but it was competed in 2021 because of the pandemic in Tokyo, Japan. Um, it was the first surf, it was the surf, first Olympics that recognized surfing as a sport. You were part of that. And I think that's so huge. And I was just curious about how was that experience? What was it like while you were there? And I'm sure that there was just so much um, talk and buzz and everything. I'm just, would love to hear about that experience. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, you know, having surfing in the Olympics for the first time, it was almost like a dream that like, you never really dreamed before. It was strange. Like I never had that as like my, my goal, um, obviously until the year that surfing was announced to be in it, but it was, it wasn't something that was really on our radar as, as surfers, right? Like the CT was like, you know, the, the top, like, that's where we all wanted to be. But the Olympics, like, that's where we were going to share our sport for the first time, like in a lot of countries, like, and to have that impact was like, was crazy. Like, um, I went there with the sole intention of like, hopefully inspiring that little girl across like the world to, to get in the water, to go surfing. Um, and, to be able to represent Costa Rica, like 
um, a country that like has given me so much and where, you know, surfing necessarily isn't like their first sport. And um, I think the aftermath of like the whole Olympics, like got so many more people in the water and so many more kids. And that was like, that was massive. Um, But yeah, it was, it was pretty um, crazy having it in Japan. Um, Obviously it was still during kind of COVID times. So it was a beautiful, beautiful experience, but also it was, um, um, it was, it was still pretty like shut down. Like it was very like um, hard to connect with the the different athletes, which was kind of sad. Like I wish I got to meet more people. Um, but I, I did meet a, a, a bunch of really cool people and I saw like, like the array of body types and um, builds and the different people was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like there was volleyball players that were like seven feet and then there's gymnasts that are like four feet. Like it was, it was amazing. Um, And I felt like a true athlete for the very first time. Um, And to be, to be a part of that was, was a complete honor. Mm, that's beautiful yeah and I think it's it's neat to be around that uh, just not just surfing but to be one of of many representing surfing and then be getting around other athletes as well like you said it's just there's so many mm, faces to mm, these countries and the represented sports that they're representing and um it's a yeah quite a unifying event I can imagine definitely um they one memory that is always like in my mind is when we did the opening ceremony and um that's kind of like where I felt like just even more like united like not as a country but like as like a planet like in the world like and they played Imagine by John Lennon and Mm. it was just like I think everyone was crying just to um just to have more of like that feeling and clarity that in that really hard time in the world, you know, COVID and everything and all the things that are happening, like how important it was to kind of come together even more so. And especially like through sport, like for different parts of the world and different countries being able to come together as, as one to, to watch something. Um, and to yeah to bring the country together like I think that was like the the coolest part of it like you could really see see that from a bunch of the countries and the athletes like that was that was their their goal and their intention and um yeah it was it was really special <clears throat> wow yeah absolutely and I think you're right that um the Olympics it's this time around was very unique and I mean it got postponed because of something that I'm sure in a lot of ways, many people, I don't want to speak for everybody out in the world, but um, felt very isolating um, in the midst of the pandemic and especially having something, I mean, there's so many things that can be divisive right now, you know, politics, um, religion, thoughts on certain things like that can be very divisive. But I think with the beauty, the beautiful concept of sport is that it can 
it's not really divisive. I think you obviously can root for certain teams, root for certain countries, but you kind of come together in sport and like the love of a sport. And I think that that's a very beautiful aspect that the Olympics brings out for people. Um, and especially coming out of a very isolating pandemic and experience for most of the world. Um, what a special experience to be a part of that unification. So very cool. Very yeah. And you finished fifth overall. I think that's amazing. So yeah, very, very much <laughs> to be proud of. Um, now I asked of this of everybody now I'm maybe, maybe it's still poo, but, uh, is there an experience in the water in which you felt great fear? And can you explain or elaborate on that experience of fear in the water? To be honest, I, I feel fear a lot. Um, either it being like the ocean being crazy and and huge and like um yeah the waves being massive um to thinking like maybe there's a shark or just like little I think details I think the ocean is is um is a place where you will feel feel fear constantly I think um it's an emotion that is is normal like and I think like fear is, is healthy. Like this is always in my head, like fear is always healthy, but panic will kill you. And I think mm. like more embracing that, that emotion, that normal human emotion, fear, um, is, is part of it. Like being a surfer for me, like I'm, I'm put in circumstances that is scary a lot. Um, especially like traveling and competing, um, in like bigger waves and everything and, um, getting out of my comfort zone. It's like, it's just like the, the thoughts, right? Like how you were saying earlier, um, kind of not really, um, being defined by, by maybe that emotion and like not becoming it, but just having that awareness of like what it is and knowing that it's okay to feel that way. But I think the most fearful I've been was probably, this year in Western Australia, mm. um, it's a place where there's like big sharks as well as big waves. So it's a lot, a lot of stuff happening. Um, yeah. And I, I was in the channel and um, this huge, huge set came in. Um, and normally when you're in the channel, you don't get the set on the head, but <laughs> it was probably like 18 to 20 foot and this one freak set came in um and it broke the gnarliest where I was in the channel so it closed out the whole channel and I was by myself and it's like the deepest water ever and I broke my board and I had to like swim in with the sharks and everything (laughs) it was so scary but um it was also such a cool experience too because well first of all Kelly Slater broke his board like a couple hundred feet away <laughs> from me so he broke his board I was like okay cool you're so joining the club <laughs> <laughs> um and then after that I was like I could handle anything like mm. going into like the next couple of days of contests I was like okay like survive that like what's next you know Absolutely. Um, I love how much you just also normalized fear. So thank you for that. That was beautiful. Um, 
Because it's true. I think uh, for most people, the ocean is the place where we get come face to face with fear. And so I love this question so much. Um, and everyone has a their own unique story similar to yours, maybe not quite so similar in regards to the 18, 20 foot in a channel. I'm sorry, that <laughs> sounds so bad. Um, hopefully the paddle wasn't too, um, or the swim back wasn't too bad. Um my dessert on that day for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Like times two, hopefully you get got extra dessert for that. Um, but yeah, that you kind of came out feeling empowered by it, which is really, uh, beautiful. So I love to hear that. Um, yeah, I guess we can kind of closing here or wrapping up, but is there anything that's inspiring you right now the most or what is inspiring you the most right now? I don't know. I feel like I find inspiration everywhere at the moment. I think right now, um, I've been pretty inspired by breathing. I don't know if that really necessarily makes sense, but I've been like learning a lot about the breath, um, and how it, um, really controls everything um and it's like our biggest key to to being like in the present moment to like healing to meditating to getting in the flow state of of competing um and so I don't know I've just been I've been learning a lot about about breathing and it's um yeah it's been very inspiring to me and I I think it's it's something I want to continue learning about um but yeah I don't know. Uh, no, that's, I think that's like, <laughs> I am so, I mean, I, I hear you on that one. I actually am quite inspired by breath as well. I'm curious, uh, what are you learning so far or like, where's your journey or is there something you're learning right now that you're super fascinated about in regards to breath? Yeah. Um, so I've actually been kind of struggling with, with my breathing. Like, um, I guess maybe I have sleep apnea. That's what mm -hmm. some of the doctors were saying. And so um, I've been learning a lot about nose breathing compared to like mouth breathing um, and just like having more mindful breaths throughout the day, like changes like the tone and like sets the pace for my, for my day. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I never thought that like three mindful breaths, like throughout the day would be such a huge like difference in like my life um but I don't know just learning about little different things like it's something so simple right that keeps us alive but we take it for granted all the time and um it's I think it's magical so I'm trying to to breathe more mindfully <laughs> absolutely yeah and yoga it's it's called pranayama, which is life force. That's the Sanskrit word for life force. And it's really neat to be able to manipulate our breath and to watch what's happening, happening physiologically. Mm -hmm. um, something I always say for my students as well is breathing into the belly. Like so much when I even said that, I realized how tense my belly was when I was just, just breathing naturally because I'm not really thinking of it about breathing right now, but yeah. much we actually breathe into our chest as adults. And when we breathe into the chest, we're actually activating our sympathetic nervous system, which is our kind of fight or flight. So talking about fear and panic, right? What you don't want to do is panic. Like 
being able to know that you're maybe on the brink of panic and focusing breath into breathing into the belly, almost like inflating it like a balloon. It's crazy how something as simple as that actually activates our parasympathetic nervous system, uh, which is our kind of, our telling our system like, hey, you're good, you're good. Um, Just so simple, like anchoring into breath, like when you're realizing it is anchoring into the present moment, like you've said, and it's really actually powerful because especially with what's going on, maybe whatever is happening in your life, if it's either stressful or chaotic and you're just like, huh, you know, you come back, maybe it's a few breaths. It's anchoring you right kind of back into your body, uh, which can be very, very powerful. So, right. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, thank you for for um, um, giving all of us that information for sure about like the the belly breathing, because it's it is true. I feel like I'm on fight or flight a lot throughout the year and I think being more intentional with your breathing could really yeah change your life so big time (laughs) well yay well I'm so excited to continue watching your journey it's been a pleasure and it's so good to see you because we hadn't seen each other in probably a couple years now so um well I hope to um to see you in the water um or in or in Fiji um that will be really special you yes. been bringing it up. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to fun shape with you. Fun shape. Rip yes. <laughs> yes. Playful, playful waves, just like laughing. Yes. I'm all about it. And I, I've been dying to go back to Fiji. It's like, uh, I miss it deeply, miss it deeply. So I look forward to that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the saltwater stories hosted by me, Christine Kent. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and like, follow, and or subscribe to wherever you're listening in today. If you think there are saltwater stories out there worth sharing on this podcast that I've yet to explore, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on my Instagram at the saltwater stories.